So let's recap on where we've been recently. Last Sunday morning, um, we thought of the Magi searching for the king because it was epiphany. And this uh, sense of epiphany is Christ being discovered for who he is. Christ being found unknown as the Son of God. And over the next few weeks, we're continuing with that season of discovery, that discovering who Jesus is as there's an awakening in different people. And uh, it's going to be mainly coming here from John's Gospel and kind of picking up where we were before Christmas. Because in Advent... We spent a bit of time starting to think of John and uh, getting there. So, just to remind you that John's been out in the wilderness. He's been preparing the way. And many people from different backgrounds have come to him. They've been repenting of sin and being baptised. Throughout that time, he's spoken of one that is yet to come. He's been saying, I'm not the Messiah. But the Messiah is coming. He's saying the promised one will be here. The Baptist tells us today, and tells his followers, of Jesus' baptism. He's saying he's going to baptize one, is the previous reading. Today, he actually says that he has baptized one. He sort of jumps across that actual baptism. He gives a different reflection on the events than what appears in the other Gospels. And in all four Gospels, we have this sense of the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove. And the dove being a symbol of hope, a sign of peace, we often think of it today. But the dove comes and uh, reminds us that God has love. There's a way forward. But there's a difference. In John's account, there's no voice that comes from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. You know, we're used to that being in the story, aren't we? A voice from heaven speaking. Now, that could be John's not telling of it because he didn't hear it. It's not heard the announcement that the father loves the son and that he is well pleased in him. Or maybe it's because he wishes to communicate something even more pressing than hearing God speak to the son. There's something even more urgent on his heart that he wants us to hear. We all take some things for granted. There's things that we have grown up with that we just expect to be like that. It might be things that we do at Christmas, certain rituals we go to. 
certain practices of when you open the presents, things like that. Or maybe it's what we did at New Year. Or maybe it's what you do on a daily basis. The language that we speak, the type of food that we eat, what we expect the weather to be like in January, and whether the daffodils should be appearing or not. There's things we expect to be normal. The one who sent John to prepare the way is the Heavenly Father. The discovery for John is not hearing God speak. That's normal for John. It might not be normal for you. It might not be normal for me. Might not be normal for anyone else in Galilee in the first century. But he's a prophet, kind of. And hearing God and repeating it or acting it out to the people is kind of what a prophet does. So the voice of the Father is not news to John. It's a normal thing. He expects to hear God's voice. It's a thing of life. What's our thing of life? What's our normal thing? Is it spending daily quiet time? Is it giving glory to him each day? Is it using his name in vain and swearing? Or not really caring for others as long as you're okay? Is that the normal thing of life? Is it saying charity begins at home rather than charity, love? Involves sacrifice. Discovering that his cousin is the one that he has been preparing the way for is the shocking news that John really has to communicate. The surprising news, the delightful news. Jesus is the promised Messiah. And it's something that the followers of John must hear. That this is the one is to John more important than that the father said that the son is loved. That's not to say that he doesn't think that's important too. But this is the pressing point. John wants to tell us something that God has said. He wants to tell us about what God has said to him. It's what others have not recorded. The theophany that John gives us, the hearing of God, is that the Spirit will come and rest upon the one that has been chosen. 
And so the vision of a dove that John sees and perhaps others see too reveals the Holy Spirit's presence on Jesus, that he is anointed, that he is the one that will save the world. That it is his cousin seems to be, for John, a revelation. It's almost as if he didn't expect it. He's not been naming Jesus as he's been preaching his story of repentance. Even though John had jumped in his mother's womb when he heard the voice of Mary, there still seems to be a, wow, it's him coming to mind. We don't know how much of the family story has been shared. How much was spoken by Elizabeth to her son about the events before he was born. But now at the Jordan, 30 years on, he knows for sure that the time of preparing the way has come to an end or is coming closely to an end. And that the attention has to move to another. It's moving to the Lamb of God. And he points his followers to Jesus. John had encouraged individuals to turn from sin, to lead a new life. But they continued to live in a world where sin surrounded them, where they would be tempted. And we live in that same far from perfect world, a world where we can be swayed to do things that are wrong, where we can choose not to do the right thing. But the message John gives of the Lamb of God is that sin and its consequences will be conquered through the Lamb of God the sin of the world will be taken away there will be no more sin and we long for that day to come We long for the Lamb of God to complete that message that John is giving. But that name, Lamb of God, gives a sense of two different parts, two different ideas to the Jewish people. And it is a very much a, a two-stage process. A now and a not yet. And part of the now is the sacrificial. Through Jesus' bloodshed at the Passover, there is that means of redemption that we can be saved through. In the Old Testament, it was more commonly the blood of bulls and goats 
that were used for the penitence of sin. And at Passover, a goat is an equally valid meal. So John's probably adding something else to it. Probably the story of the suffering servant in Isaiah 52 and 53, where we're told that Israel will be redeemed, but it'll be a redemption without money. We're told that we are all like sheep that have gone astray, for we are. And then we're told that the servant was like a lamb led to the slaughter. So there's this sense of sacrifice and atonement and our salvation. But a vision of a lamb, particularly the lamb of God, has another side to it. Not just a slain lamb, but a victorious one. In the book of Revelation, the lamb is far from being a gentle animal. It's not that cute, cuddly thing that we might see in the fields in a few weeks or months' time. I've not seen one yet. I've not seen. But you never know. A New Testament written in Greek would reveal that John uses a different word for lamb when it comes to revelation. And it is a lamb that looks different. A lamb with many horns and many eyes. A lamb that's not suffering, but sitting on the throne. A lamb that fits in with the old Jewish stories of a lamb from within a flock that grows strong and is able to defend that flock from attack by wild animals, by developing horns and protecting their flock. It chases away the ravens that might attack. King David was said to have been such a lamb, young yet powerful. So was uh, Judas Maccabeus, a leader that would rise up from within the flock. But this is a very different lamb from the lamb of sacrifice. Those Two lamb words give us those two different sides. The one who sacrificed, the one who will rule, yet both are the same person. Both are the Son of God. And not simply referring to him here as a lamb, but as the Lamb of God gives that emphasis. It makes sure that we see Christ for who he truly is. The one who has saved, the one who will save. 
Do we see that when we look to the Lamb of God? Do we see the one that actually does offer us salvation and the cleansing of sin? Do we see the fullness of triumph and have hope for that final day when the whole earth will be recreated? What do we look at when we are pointed to the Lamb? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do we follow John's direction and seek to follow him?